0: Future proof extra from News Talk. Now, is a dog smarter than Alexa, for example? Is the sort of intelligence that a crayfish has the same sort of intelligence a two month old baby has? Comparing intelligence is tricky business, as even defining what is or is not intelligent and to what a degree is by no means an exact science. So, how can we compare ourselves to the likes of AI or octopi? Well, Dr. Paul Thagard is a philosopher, cognitive scientist, and author of Bots and Beasts, What Makes Machines, Animals, and People Smart. He joins me now. Uh, Paul, welcome to the program. This is one of those age-old questions that um, that really never has, has, a, has a solid answer, what makes us intelligent or what, what is intelligence.
1: Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I try to answer that question in a rather unusual way. I don't give a strict definition of intelligence because The existing definitions aren't very good, and I also don't narrow intelligence down to just IQ, as some psychologists do. Instead, I go at an understanding of intelligence by looking at 12 features and eight mechanisms that are responsible for those. So this provides a checklist of 20 different aspects of intelligence that we can then use to evaluate just how smart current machines and non-human animals are.
0: Take me through some of these um, different factors, uh, because as you say, um, IQ tests were shown to be not very representative of of, of intelligence with regards to something like problem solving, because a lot of the time they were culturally specific. Um, So when you decided to put together
1: these 12 uh, pillars of intelligence, what were you looking at? I was looking at my understanding of human intelligence, human problem solving, and thinking in general, drawing on many years of working in Cognitive Science. So it does include some fairly obvious things like problem solving and learning and planning and deciding, but also some other features that I think are often neglected. For example, it includes perceiving. That is, part of being intelligent is being able to get information from the world, which requires us to be good perceivers. But it also includes things like uh, feeling. That is, our emotions are an important part of making us intelligent, especially in interactions with other people and social aspects such as communicating with other people and and then acting on the world. So I end up with this long list of features that are just descriptions, but we want to have explanations too. We want to be able to figure out what enables people to do all these things. And to that, I look at some fairly ordinary things like language and concepts and rules, but also at other features like images. So a lot of our thinking isn't done with words. It's also done with pictures or with auditory or tactile images. So I think that's an important part of our intelligence also. Uh, It's also have to take into account things like uh, emotions and consciousness, which are often neglected. But if we're dealing with other people, it's really important to be able to have empathy for what their emotional states are and to be consciously aware of what they're doing and what we're doing. Uh, So I ended up with this much longer list that I think is a much more accurate description of what human intelligence amounts to
0: i mean does it lose any useful definition at all then if if you include so many different things i mean obviously i wouldn't disagree that um you know uh perceiving is a type of intelligence or uh, certainly a prerequisite of t- intelligence a feeling very much um uh, emotional intelligence been shown to be hugely important in, in decision making and making better decisions but you can be intelligent uh, or or perform intelligent tasks without creating, without uh, feeling or acting. And if we add all of these elements to it, do we lose a sense of intelligence? Or do you think it was was foolish to think we could narrow it out anyway?
1: Well, I think it was foolish. There's a recent anthology of articles by leading psychologists, and they have about a, a dozen different definitions of intelligence that don't agree with each other. Whereas, None of the things that I mention are meant to be necessary or sufficient conditions of intelligence. But if you understand how concepts work, it's very rare outside of mathematics to be able to give such kinds of strict definitions. Hmm. The advantage of having this long list is it really does provide a good basis for answering the central question of my book, which is how do machines and non-human animals compare with human intelligence? And so instead of just going on a rather narrow definition. What I I do is I provide these checklists for seeing how six of the best current programs in artificial intelligence and six of the most impressive animals measure up against human beings with respect to these 20 different aspects. So how did you go about
0: picking at these animals and how do they fare?
1: Well, I started off with 10 machines and 10 animals, but I quickly decided that list wasn't was too long and so I narrowed it down to six of each because otherwise it was going to be a lot of redundancy. So I just picked really good representative examples. So for the animals, I pick octopuses and and bees because I wanted to get some insects and some obviously non-mammals and non-birds in it, Uh, but then chimpanzees and ravens and dogs because people are really interested in dogs. So I just picked really interesting examples from across the animal spectrum. And similarly, I pick machines that are playing a big role in human lives. Artificial intelligence really has gained a lot over the last 10 or 20 years. And there's some really impressive programs right now, like IBM Watson and DeepMind. And people are extrapolating from those successes for thinking that, well, oh, the computers are getting smart so much so rapidly that they're going to end up smarter than us. So we should be really scared about that. You find these predictions from people like, Stephen Hawking and Elon Musk Mm. and Bill Gates. And I didn't think that was true, but I needed to have this detailed list to do that. Similarly for animals, there's some people who take one extreme position and say, oh, animals are just as smart as people. In fact, dogs are people too. There's several books with that title. (laughs) On the other hand, there are people who are totally skeptical and say, well, humans are completely different from animals. There's no connection at all. We have souls or we have other special characteristics. So I think both those extreme views are wrong both with respect to animals and with respect to machines. So you need to do a much more detailed comparison. Uh, And the result that comes out for both animals and machines is that people are really smarter than you think. That is, with both machines and animals, there really are some dramatic advantages that humans currently have.
0: I suppose that that's um, being such a uh, human-centric species. Uh, So navel gazing as we are, that's probably not hugely surprising, um, particularly when it comes to machines. But do you think intelligence is even the right word when we're talking about the very natural process of decision making? Do you think it's fair to use the term intelligence when we talk about machines that are programmed to make decisions by, by no original thought of their own?
1: Well, but that's I think underestimating current artificial intelligence. There are machines that are highly original and highly creative. DeepMind, for example, has produced computer programs that play the game Go better than ever any human. And experts in Go look at what they're doing and say, "Wow, that's amazing! No human yeah, would have but, thought of that."
0: But 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 aren't they just following rules? I mean, they don't really make decisions, even though they 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 uh, they make. You know much better analyses of things they take in lots of other details they try out scenarios. they don't really make a decision, and surely that decision making is important for intelligence
1: well it's there's different kinds of decisions that we force in this case, it's something simple like what stone to move next in what place, mm. but it's also been used for higher level tasks like uh, figuring out uh, how proteins are folding. It's very important for biology and medicine to understand how proteins fold and DeepMind produced a program that does this way better than any human or any previous computer program. And it doesn't do it because it's programmed into it. It does it by learning. It starts off with lots of examples and then generates more examples and learns how to do these things better and better. and better. So -hmm. it's not just a simple program that humans have written. It's rather something that it's learned how to do. So at least for protein folding and Go and chess and some video games, the DeepMind programs actually are extraordinarily impressive. Now, the question is, are they impressive as human beings? The people who programmed DeepMind recently published an article in the top artificial intelligence journal called Reward is Enough, because they think that the kinds of learning that they've figured out based on neural networks and reinforcement learning are enough to capture all of a human intelligence. There, I think they're simply wrong, that there are aspects of human intelligence that involve abstraction, that involve causal understanding, that involve going beyond what you can get from examples to find out underlying causal structures that humans do that no current computer program can actually do.
0: Okay. So um, you found that humans are much smarter than machines and much smarter than animals. But um, do you not think that perhaps it's a very anthropomorphic way of of thinking about intelligence? Or is that an issue that you came across in trying to define intelligence that we often put ourselves at the center? And do we need a more Galilean (laughs) approach?
1: Well, of course, that would be a big mistake if you simply asserted on the basis of no evidence that humans are somehow superior. But if you look at the details, if you look at what people can do and what animals do, you find some large differences. Take language, for example. People have taught rudimentary language to chimpanzees, but it's really just at the level of pairing or stringing words together in very simple ways. What's remarkable about human language compared to what any animal can do is recursion. That means embedding things so you're making sentences about sentences about sentences. For example, I can think about what you're thinking about what I'm thinking that you're thinking. So people can do this, uh, but no animals can do that. This seems to be an aspect of recursive thinking that many people have documented that operates only in humans. So that's not anthropomorphism. That's not simply assuming we're different. It's not saying that we're better or smarter because we've got souls or because we can use tools because there are lots of animals that can use tools, but it does uh, identify a key aspect that does make us different because we've got a linguistic capacity for doing this kind of recursive operations with language, but also for, for doing things in the world. Mm-hmm. So there are animals that use tools, but humans are to this point, at least the only animal that uses tools to make tools. And we can use tools to make tools to make tools. A computer programming language, for example, is a tool that's used to make programs. And so we're able to operate with this level of recursion of being having thoughts that are about thoughts that are about thoughts that are the result of simply having bigger brains and other aspects of how our brains work.
0: How did you compare these different species then? I mean, um... What, what sort of experiments did you run or did you just sort of examine literature? Like, did you have some sort of um, race between the bees, octopuses, ravens, dogs, and dolphins? No, or, I, looked at all uh,
1: the, I looked at all the available literature and there's quite mm-hmm. a lot. I mean, animal, animal intelligence is a very lively area of research and the results yeah. have been extremely interesting and sometimes really surprising. Uh, for example, I got interested because of a friend of mine who has cats uh, who thought that one of her cats was jealous of the other. I thought, can cats actually be jealous? Well, it turns out there's no data on that. People haven't done research, but I found a fascinating line of research on jealousy in dogs. So it's fairly common if somebody's got a dog and they're showing attention to a different dog, then it looks like the first dog gets upset. Well, is that just anthropomorphizing or transmitting our views of ourselves to the animals? But there's some really clever experiments have been done that convinced me that in fact, dogs actually get jealous. Give me one of those. Um, so you can do various things, uh, for example, with, with a fake dog uh, and you, you put it in there and then you put in different kinds of controls. You want to be able to rule out other sorts of hypotheses, such as that the dog's just being territorial or something like that. Right. But, but the controls have been put in so that these other simpler hypotheses rule out. And so it does seem that the dog that feels threatened by the additional dog is having an emotional reaction that's akin to what people do. When they're jealous. And (laughs) so these experiments were done carefully enough to make implausible the alternative hypotheses that I think justifies the attribution of jealousy, which is a pretty complicated emotion uh, to dogs. And so I think that actually when I started this project, I was fairly neutral on the question of whether animals have emotions. Maybe they are just working with simple ideas about reward and punishment and pleasure and pain. But looking at the literature convinced me that animals not only have simple emotions like happiness and sadness, but more complicated ones like grief and jealousy. So there we got to look at the data. We've got to look at what's the best explanation of all the studies that have been done often very carefully to figure out Mm -hmm. whether animals are capable of these range of emotions.
0: Well, Jane Goodall has been asserting for decades that chimpanzees have a a wide range of emotions and has documented and talked about that for for quite some time. So she was
1: right when she started working with chimpanzees, people thought they couldn't use tools, but she overturned that fairly quickly and started showing how her observations suggested that animals have emotions. But I think lots of experiments and observations have been done since then that support her very early judgments about this.
0: Um, as soon as you looked at this so carefully, I'd love to get your thought on whether or not AI will reach a level of general intelligence um, that that humans have to be able to look at a novel, new story, for example, or or a complicated piece of input and be able to give it context, analyze it, and form an opinion, for example.
1: Well, some philosophers have made arguments to say this could never happen. That computers can never be intelligent but none of their arguments are any good i think it's really a, an open question uh, it's, it's really an open question whether computers will be smarter than people it's not going to happen soon there's some people who think that within 10 years we'll have computers that are more intelligent than us but, but that's basically an overextrapolation come from the current state of ai and an underappreciation of just how smart people are and the wide range of abilities we have so i don't think it's going to happen within 10 years Maybe 50, maybe 100, or maybe never. We just don't know. It's an incredible technological challenge. And the people in AI who think it's going to happen very soon, I think are quite naive about both about the capabilities of human computers today and the broad range of mechanisms that make humans intelligent. So my guess is maybe sometime, but not for a long time.
0: One of the headlines that often reaches the papers is either a certain machine or a certain animal is considered to be as smart as, and then they give some arbitrary months of an infant um, and and say, oh, it's as smart as a six-month-old or a year-old baby. How do you feel about that, having actually done the research to compare animals to humans to machines?
1: Well, I didn't look at, at the uh, ch- children or babies in this. I was interested in how these machines and how these animals compare with human adult intelligence. I mean, already 10-year-olds are pretty smart. I mean, maybe not infants because they don't have language and they haven't developed really complicated ways of understanding how the world works. But babies are already showing some signs of understanding of causality. So a baby knows that if it shakes a rattle, it can get a sound or it can pull on, on its blanket. So infants already are showing some kinds of intelligence that I don't think you find in current machines. I mentioned before that no, none of these really impressive AI programs have got a good understanding of causal interaction with the world, whereas babies already have that. It may be, may be innate or they certainly learn it very fast in the first few months of life. So that's one comparison that I think is quite interesting. But I think Making some blanket judgment like that, saying, oh, the co- current computer is like a baby, is, is just not very accurate. There are obviously things that current computers can do, like play Go and do medical diagnosis that babies can't do. And so I think it, <laughs> rather than making the- You
0: have met my children, Paul.
1: Your children can do medical diagnosis, good for them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> very, very, uh, yeah. they're very intelligent children. Um, Really interesting book uh, called Bots and Beasts What Makes Machines, Animals, and People Smart? Dr. Paul Thagard, thanks very much for your time.
1: Oh, thank you for a very interesting chat.